Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me for another exciting and informative episode of The Paralegal Voice on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Jill Francisco, an advanced certified paralegal, immediate past president of NILA, and your host of this episode of The Paralegal Voice. I have over 25 years of a paralegal experience, and I am so super excited to share my knowledge and enthusiasm for the paralegal profession with you. I am also super excited today to have Alicia Mitchell Mercer, ACPRP, with me today. She has an extensive resume, but I'm not going to read it all to you. I want you to have the most time as possible to get some very valuable and, um, you know, soak in all her knowledge and the useful information that she's going to share with us today. So anyway, I am, like I said, I'm so excited to have her today as my guest. Alicia, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jill, for having me. So um, we're not going to really waste any time. We're going to kind of get right into it because this this subject that I ask Alicia on to talk about, I mean, I personally needed to know about it. I heard some terminology and heard some terms, you know, thrown around and I really didn't understand it. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe there's a couple other paralegals out there that would also enjoy and have some useful information on this. So anyway, Alicia, let's get right into it. If you want to explain, though, a little bit before we start about your background and your experience and your specialty, because I know you have awesome background and experience. Thank you, Jill. So I guess I'll just stick to the information that's pertinent to the legal project management and kind of what I'm doing with that right now. So I've been a litigation paralegal for about 20 years. I've been a legal project manager since 2012. I have a Bachelor of Science in Paralegal Studies and a Master's in Project Management, and I'm pursuing a doctorate in Public Administration. I work for the Lex Project Management Consulting Group as Director of Project Management, and we offer project management office and legal project management consulting services. I'm certified by NALA, NIFBA, the South Carolina Bar, and the North Carolina State Bar. And I have project management certifications from the Project Management Institute. I'm a certified Scrum Master from the Scrum Alliance and a legal project practitioner from the International Institute of Legal Project Management. So as you can see, I've really picked up a love for learning about project management (laughs) over the years because I went after all of those certifications. I'm always like happy to just learn more about how I can bring value added to the cases and matters that I'm working on. I think it's neat, too, because they're I mean, like I have to kind of tell our listeners a little something funny. So we we tried to do this show <laughs> a week ago and I had a little technical difficulties also known as storm and all of a sudden no Wi-Fi. So obviously no show. So Alicia and I got a chance to kind of talk a little bit more. We talked that day and she really in a very short amount of time kind of educated me. You gave me like the, you know, down and dirty of the of the project management. And I really think now, you know, when you talk about all those certifications, what comes to my mind now is like you said, you just really have, they're different. I mean, obviously they're all different. They all are different skills and different things that you've learned. And I think that's awesome because of what you're able to offer, you know, it's very well-rounded. You kind of have covered all the bases. So, you know, it's not just another initial, I think that you're putting behind your name which is obviously an accomplishment, but I think it's really a whole other, you know, skill set that you're able to offer in a different thing and realm within the project management and obviously help, you know, your clients and, you know, who you're trying to get organized. But I really liked when you were telling me and you kind of broke it down the beginning, you know, what is the traditional project management and then how is it different from where you were telling me the agile project management? 
Okay. Well, I guess I usually start by explaining that I, I think we all are kind of project managers. Paralegals are, are definitely managing their cases and their matters. But when we talk about traditional project management, we are usually talking about the Project Management Institute and their methodology, the traditional or waterfall approach to managing projects. So it's a little bit different structure because there are like 10 knowledge areas and five process groups. You have the planning or you have the initiating of the planning, executing, monitoring, controlling, and then you get to the closing process. And then you have these 49 processes that you kind of run through. And so as you can imagine, that's a pretty prescriptive and structured way of managing a project. That is traditional project management. It works very well for things like construction and very complex litigation projects and things like that. I like to call it stay in your lane. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> after you've kind of made ta- after you've kind of taught me a little bit, totally, you know, newbie novice, but I feel like that's the stay in your lane. <laughs> yeah. Approach. Well, you know, it's it's definitely takes a little while to learn about it, but I think once you pick it up, it's not really that difficult. It's probably harder to perfect than it is to learn from the beginning, for sure. Okay. So then you also, like I said, then you have the agile approach. What's that a little bit about? Sure. So Agile is really about trying to be more people-centric rather than process-centric. So when you think about Agile, it's more of a lightweight framework. It's not so prescriptive. There's no 10 knowledge areas or process groups or anything like that. There is a lightweight cycle that you kind of run your projects through, but it's just not as prescriptive. Agile comes from software developers. I think they created Agile in probably 2000. And I'd say probably 70% of the Fortune 500 companies are using it today. So it's wow. just kind of a umbrella term for it's more agile is more of a philosophy than it is a framework. But then we have scrum, which is a framework under the agile umbrella. Yeah. And why don't you tell that's that is really I know it's so funny. That is really what kind of perked my ears up. You know, when you talk about this scrum master and all this stuff, I was like, wow, that's like new, new terminology. It was totally not familiar. I wasn't familiar with that term at all. And so that's what kind of started, like I said, perk my ears up and then maybe do a little Googling, (laughs) you know, how we do and try to figure it out. And I was like, okay, I've heard about this. And then, you know, like I said, I'm familiar with all, you know, a few of your um, um, accomplishments and and the things you're into. And I knew that you were my girl to talk about this. So why don't you talk about that then as it compares to and fits in with all this, the Scrum philosophy and things? Okay. So as I was saying, Scrum is a framework that fits under kind of the Agile umbrella. There there are several different kinds of, of Agile kind of methods of, of running your projects. Scrum's the most popular one, as I told you. And Scrum has its own kind of philosophy, right? So you start off learning about the values because, like I said, this is a more people-centric way of running projects. So we start talking about things like courage and respect and commitment and focus and openness. And that's just trying to get more team cohesiveness, getting the team to work together better because the belief is that if you can get the team to really buy into each other, then that's going to show up in the productivity of the project. Mm. And it's going to make it just be more camaraderie. There's going to be just kind of the team cohesiveness that we're looking for. 
Well, and let me ask you this, because, you know, of course, we we always bring up COVID. But like, do you think because I'm sure you use both methods or even I think as we talked about a combination of both methods in the things that you are currently doing. What about that? Because like you're talking about like the cohesiveness and the the meetings and the like you said, the camaraderie and the bonding, I assume. And just like you said, getting to know each other and stuff like that. How is like the COVID, all that stuff like Zoom and, you know, have you just kind of done <clears throat> what we're all doing is... <laughs> You know, virtually or I mean, does it affect it or does it actually make you, you know, go in another direction or use kind of another tactic or or from a way that you would have done it if you could have been in person, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. So I think that the agile kind of way of doing things, they prefer in person, right? Because it, mm-hmm. again, it's very people-centric. They want you face-to-face, but we do have to pivot because of COVID. Yep. So a lot of scrum teams and agile teams are being run virtually for sure. And you think it cuts down on it? I mean, or just, I mean, it's still effective and you think, you know, everybody's just doing kind of like the best they can do. You think it's still? I I think that it's still effective. I mean, with advents of things like, you know, Zoom and Ring Central and GoToMeeting and things like that, I think you still kind of can do the face-to-face. There maybe is a little bit lost, you know, I, I don't think it's quite the same as having your team co-located, but I do still think that there is you know, people are still running Scrum and they're still being successful in their projects. I think when you think about things like, you know, we've got these, and part of the philosophy is the Scrum pillars when we're talking about transparency and adaptation and inspection, the virtual meetings still allow for all of those things. They still allowed us to inspect our work product. We can still like adapt and be very agile in the way that we handle projects. There's still transparency because Now, I mean, with the Google Docs and the um, office systems, you can see pretty much everything that you need to do online. Good. So, yeah. So, I mean, almost then it's probably like maybe even utilizing some of that technology, just like you said. I mean, we we, I always laugh and tell the story. We could have been using Zoom all along and talking to our friends (laughs) and and everybody that was all over the country, but we just didn't. And now it's like, well, we are forced to do it. I think, you know, now it's like, oh, it's not that bad. And I think, I mean, do you think it's changed the way the project management, like, has it opened eyes? You know how, like, I always use the example, you know, I'm in litigation, and I think it's opened up a lot of clients' eyes and and the law firms about, you know, efficiency and effectiveness, you know, of doing remote, you know, whatever you want to call it, remote, virtual, you know, mediations, remote depositions, you know, things like that. And I'm not so sure that I'll ever go back because how are you going to, as a law firm, you know, convince a client, oh, okay, you know, we could do that, you know, a few months ago for, you know, $500. And now we're going to bring 10 people in person and travel uh, half across the country, it's going to be $10,000. You know, how are you going to do that? How are you going to convince them? So do you think there's been some changes to your processes like that? Like that, you know, it's not necessarily going to go back like some things, you know, they've figured out that they're okay to do and are effective virtually? Well, to some extent, I mean, I agree with you. I don't think that we're ever going to go back to the way that things were. I mean, there's there are a lot of great things that kind of the silver lining, I guess, that came out of COVID where now that everyone is using Zoom and, and all these other different platforms, you kind of have more involvement of your stakeholders, of your clients. You have different ways that your clients can 
be communicating with you. It used to be, you know, a phone call if they couldn't physically come into the office. And at, now at least you have the benefit of being able to see them face to face if that is, if that's what you want to do. And if you're working in corporate, I mean, the same thing with your stakeholders. You might have executives or upper management or a board of directors or whoever it is that you need to be communicating with in your position. This is just a great way to make sure that we're still able to do that, especially if you're working for a firm that's kind of spread out in different areas. Oh, yeah, that's true. Across the country, you can bring in all team members that aren't necessarily like same client or same whatever, but not in the same office, right? you know, so to speak. So, okay, well, Alicia, we need to pause to take a commercial break. So we will be right back. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screen process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C. And get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco, and my guest today is Alicia Mitchell-Mercer, and we are discussing project management and some different platforms that she is very knowledgeable about and certified in. And so we were just kind of talking about the Scrum philosophy, and we're kind of wrapping that up before we had to take a break. And so I want to get back into that because it's super interesting, and I think it's something that hopefully, if you're just kind of on the edge, maybe this is something that you'd be interested, you know, paralegals would be interested in doing. So like I said, we talked about the philosophy a little bit. And so I really like to get into the scrum and the framework where we start talking about the roles and things like that. So Alicia, can you start telling us a little bit about that? Because super interesting. Sure. So in Scrum, you have a Scrum team and there are pretty, there's three roles that make up a Scrum team. So you have the product owner. And if you think about it, the product owner is going to be the attorney because they're going to be the ones that are responsible for the work product, right? So they, they own kind of the, the production of the work. And right. then you have the Scrum master. And, you know, that always sounds like a really interesting role because Scrum master makes it sound like you're actually in charge of something. But touche, you're actually a servant leader. You're actually <laughs> the master of Scrum. You're not the master of any person. So you're just kind of there as a facilitator and a catalyst to make sure that the team is getting things done. And then you have the developers, and that is just the the team that's actually cranking out that work product. So that's going to be your paralegals, maybe um, some associate attorneys, things of that nature. So that's going to make up your scrum team in the legal services field. That's awesome that you said that, because like I said, it does sound like super fancy. And like you said, like the master of all (laughs) and you get get all excited and then you're like, oh, well, really, that just means I'm the master of what I'm certified in and I need to be knowing my what I need to do. Right, right. Exactly. (laughs) So then that leads us in to this scrum life cycle. And so I want to really know about that, too, and discuss that with you. So how about getting that kind of laid out for our listeners? Okay, so. First, when you go into the Scrum framework, you're going to start talking about your product backlog. So your product backlog, when you think about it, if you're putting together a case 
or whether you're putting together a project in a corporate setting, your product backlog is just going to be a list of all of the tasks or the deliverables that you need to do for the entire case or matter. Okay. And so this is kind of the one document that you're going to be going to, to look at, to see what work you need to do. Now, on the product backlog, you're going to be prioritizing these items, which we call product backlog items. You're going to be prioritizing these tasks by urgency, how quickly they need to get done. And then you're also going to assign them a time that it takes to complete them. So you get into a little bit of, of time estimating, which we would cover at a different time. But then you also are going to assign it a cost. You're going to put the client's name, and then you're going to assign a deadline for that particular task so that you can make sure you can sort it by urgency. After you do that, you start going into some sprint planning. And so in Scrum, you are doing basically one to four week sprint. So the sprints is the time box in which you can do the work. When I was trying to explain earlier that one of the differences between traditional project management and Scrum is that in traditional project management, you do all this upfront planning and then you do all of the executing and then you close out your project. In agile project management or Scrum, you are doing a little bit of planning, a little bit of executing, a little bit of planning, a little bit of executing. So it's more of an iterative or incremental approach to doing the work. When you get into the sprint planning, what you're doing is you're looking at that product backlog. Remember, it's a list of all the things that you need to get done for your case or your matter. And you're just trying to figure out what can I pull into this sprint? What can I accomplish in the next one to four weeks? So that's your time box for the sprint. Okay. And so, and that, that is, I love that little thing about it because I feel like it also, I think you were telling me earlier and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, and like I said, in my, in my research, which wasn't very good, you were mostly my (laughs) educator in this. Um, But like, I like it because I think we talked about how it's a little bit more flexible. Like if you're a paralegal and you know how paralegals have to be and we all know how things change, like you sit down even just in regular litigation, you know, you get a case in, you kind of strategize about it, you kind of think this is how it's going to go and how you're going to respond and how, you know, what defense you're going to do or, you know, how you're going to work it up. And then all of a sudden, you know, one thing happens and it's totally changes everything. And so weren't you telling me about how Scrum has a little bit that allows for some of that. Yeah, so you want to determine how long you want your sprints to be, right? If you're doing one-week sprints, which is something you might want to do if you're working in litigation and there's just a lot of pivoting that you have to do, and that way you can do you know, some planning for that week and then, you know, do the other things in the the Scrum framework at the end and then start playing again for the next week. And so that lets you be a little bit more agile, if you will. It lets you adapt a little bit more compared to the other traditional approach of doing the project management. Okay. And like I said, I think we were talking about, so like if, if you're, it's funny, because when you were telling me and breaking this all down to me, and you know, how it kind of went, it was like, I loved it when I think you you kind of went through like a little bit of an example, you know, like where and you kind of fit the examples into the steps that you were doing. Can you do you remember that when you were telling me about yeah, that? Yeah, I do. Because so, that's really cool to identify. I think if you have a paralegal out there, and they have like these set of issues or whatever, it's like it kind of really opens the eyes about, oh, well, this is something practical, this method, the scrum that, you know, they should maybe look into because it seemed like to me, it would really be helpful, Mm -hmm. I mean, to them. So that was cool if you can bring up that again. Sure. So when once you get the things that you want to work on in the next one to four weeks, you end up creating something called a sprint backlog. That's just the subset 
of the product backlog. It's all the tasks that you're going to try to get accomplished in the next one to four weeks. Probably the most beneficial part of the Scrum framework is what I'm going to talk about next, which is the daily Scrum. I think that's what you were kind of referring to. Yes, I love that. Yes. So the daily Scrum is a 15 minute planning meeting that you would have at a set time every day. And you really want to have it at a set time and a set place so that people aren't scrambling around trying to figure out where they're going to meet every day. But it's 15 minutes, you're going to stand up together as a group, and you're kind of going to do a round robin. And you're just going to ask three questions. Really, you're just asking, what did you accomplish yesterday? What are you going to accomplish today? And do you have any impediments in your way? We call it yesterday, today, and what's in my way for short. And so Mm -hmm. during this meeting, Everyone is just going to be very transparent about the things that are going on. It just helps the right hand know what the left hand is doing. It also helps the team know if anyone's running into any trouble and they need help. And the Scrum Master is there actually to facilitate that meeting because one of the responsibilities of the Scrum Master is to remove impediments. So if they hear that a team member is struggling with technology or they're having other kinds of difficulties, then they can work with that team member after that meeting to help remove some of those impediments. Okay. And that's also the time, like I said, I think those little meetings, it's like sometimes when you hear like having a daily meeting, you kind of panic. But, you know, I think like you said, it's like the same, you know, I assume you could do the same time, the same place, you know, it's kind of like same time, same place, same back right. channel. You know? Right, right, right. It's, it's like, because then it would just, and it's quick. And like, I think you said that it's like, if it's needed, if there's something that comes up in there, you can branch off, but it's not within your little time frame, right? Right. So the 15 minutes is really just supposed to be, again, about the yesterday, today, and what's in my way. So we, the Scrum Master's job is to make sure that everyone is staying on topic. And if, for example, you and I are in a Scrum meeting and you and I are just talking about what we want to talk about, the Scrum Master is there to redirect us and make sure that any conversations that aren't pertinent to that yesterday, today, and what's in my way question gets put on the parking lot so those people can discuss it later. So the goal is to like never, ever, ever go over the 15 minutes. And this really gets away from kind of the drudgery of doing those like really lengthy status conferences where you have to sit in an office for a long period of time and you're just talking about all your cases. Doing things with the daily scrum, it's kind of like rapid feedback. It's collaboration. Everyone knows what what everyone's doing. You can go update your, um, your spreadsheets or your client statuses in real time and then keep it moving. Yeah. And the thing that I really like about doing that too, it really like got me thinking is you also stop issues right away. Right. You don't, you don't get, you know, like waste a lot of time, you know, and I'm a, I'm sure you don't like to waste time either. And it's like, you know, you don't want to waste anybody's time going down the wrong path or having an issue. And then you're just kind of, like you said, it's festering because we don't have our meeting until a week from now you know, or something. So then it just wastes more time. So I love that part about it. And I really think it, like you said, I think that would make somebody like if they never, if they weren't really using this method or didn't really know about this method, that that to me is something like, I think they would kind of have their ears perk up, so to speak, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, think, wow, I maybe need to learn, you know, a little bit about that. So Alicia, we got to take another break and then we'll be right back. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. 
Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com slash simple. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Available wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back to The Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco and my guest today, Alicia Mitchell-Mercher. And we were talking about the Scrum lifecycle and we were getting our way through it. We had the beginning, we had the middle. We were talking about the awesome sprint uh, meetings that I think are very beneficial. It makes me want to have those meetings instead of those long, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, weekly, every other week, something meetings. So how do we, we kind of come that far. So then how do we wrap this up in, in the Scrum lifecycle? Sure. So you recall that we started with the product backlog. We went to sprint planning. We did the sprint backlog. We were doing our daily scrums. And now we're getting to the end of our sprint, our one to four weeks. And we end up with something called an increment. And I don't know why Scrum uses all of these kind of terms, but increment just means your work product. The interesting thing is about the way that they describe the increment is that it has to meet the definition of done. And this is really important because I find that sometimes we don't always understand as paralegals when something is complete. And I feel like balls kind of get dropped. So for example, if you've ever seen someone or been in a situation where I'm trying to think like a motion was filed and they're like, well, did that motion get done? Well, yes, it's done. But, you know, did we get a hearing date on it? Did we send out a notice of hearing? Did we let the client know? Are we prepared? And so you have to make sure that you are on the same page with that definition of done so that those kind of balls aren't getting dropped. So you have that product increment. And then once you are finished with that work that you've done for that sprint, you're going to go into one of the last two meetings, which is called your sprint review. So your sprint review is just where you're sitting with your client or clients and going over the finished work product for that week, or if it's a four week sprint, then for that four weeks, and your client's just going to be kind of inspecting it to make sure that they're happy with the product. If there's something wrong with it, and it's like a typo or something, it can be fixed in a couple of minutes, you want to fix it right there. But if there is an issue with it, then you want to put that back on the product backlog. And I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment, so that it can be fixed. Okay? okay, then the next thing that's going to happen is you want to have this kind of conversation with your client about what went well and what didn't go well. Like, what are you happy about? What are you unhappy about? And you're going to put that information on what we call a lessons learned register. And Mm. so you're going to share that with your organization because if another legal team or your legal team is working on a similar matter in the future, they can kind of use tag words, go in and look and see what we learned from previous projects so that we're not creating the same mistakes that we did before. The last meeting after the sprint review 
is the sprint retrospective. And so the difference between the two is the sprint review is client focused, the clients involved giving you feedback. With a sprint retrospective, it's really just you and your legal team. And so this is a time to talk about process improvement, to talk about how you're working together as a team, and also trying to figure out a better way to get things done for the next sprint. Also, you're still going to capture those lessons learned and put that on a lessons learned register, what you learned in your team meetings. And then you're pretty much at the end of that sprint. Now, you're going to do a sprint again, right? Because we do this every one to four weeks. And so the next thing that's going to happen before you go back to that product backlog and start pulling more work off of it is you're going to do something called backlog refinement. And actually, the backlog refinement is something that the product owner is supposed to do. So Hmm. you know how you were talking about how things change, right? Things change pretty rapidly. And so in one week or four weeks or however long your sprint is, probably you've gotten new clients or clients have changed, you know, something that they want to happen in their cases or their matters, if you're in corporate, you know, executives, other stakeholders. And so the backlog refinement is the product owner going to the backlog and reprioritizing all of the items, adding any new items if we've got new project pieces that need to be added, anything like that. And then once he refines the backlog, then this scrum team can look at it again and pull more work out of it for the next Hmm. one to four weeks. That's awesome. And like you said, that's like what was a priority may not be anymore. And so, like you said, and they get more input, not just like a one time at the beginning, like this is what I want to do. And then, like you said, things change. Who knows? A million things can happen in in our um, legal everyday life. And then all of a sudden, like you said, it's what is a priority is not. So now, you know, that creates an outlet for that stuff. That's awesome. So I know, like I said, our listeners, hopefully their ears have kind of perked up. And so, you know, my thing is like, what do you think are some of the most benefits? Like, you know, why should a paralegal, you know, maybe try to convince their firm or like you see, be the person that tries to get the firm to kind of look in this direction or use some of these philosophies if they don't have them in place now? Well, I think that there's a lot of benefits to running agile projects. I think that, I mean, first of all, you're just going to have that ability to be able to stay on top of your projects a little bit easier. I think it's just makes planning a lot easier. I think that everyone kind of is on the same page. You're having the the team collaboration and all of the rapid feedback and the reviews with the clients. And I think that it's just, you know, a Personally, I might be a little biased, but I think it's just a better way to run your projects than the way that we're typically doing them. I feel like a lot of the way that we typically run the projects is we're a little bit more reactive than proactive. And this just kind of helps us flip the script a little bit. And now we're being very proactive and purposely planning rather than just running around trying to put out fires all the time. Oh, right, right. And just like, like you said, jumping all over the places too. I think an issue, you know, like you said, this is on fire, I got to rush over here. And you maybe you had a plan, you know, and then but you just end up, like you said, bouncing all over the place. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about because you know, a few of my recent shows, we've talked about, you know, this day and age right now, I feel like it's there's a lot of opportunities out there for paralegals. And you know, because of how the work you know, forces. I mean, I, like I said, I feel like, you know, I could have 10 paralegal jobs if I had time to do them all right now. But, right. you know, do you think this is a good opportunity for paralegals, like something they should get in? Does it increase, you know, their marketability? Like, how about that kind of stuff with paralegals? Because I think, you know, you always have to have kind of a motivation other than just like, well, this would help me out with my organization. But do you think it's really a an opportunity that paralegals can get into? I do. I think so, because I think that there's been more of a proliferation of legal project management jobs than we've seen in the past. I think the mm. last time I was on LinkedIn and looking at legal project management jobs, there there was something like 
80,000 nationally, and then there oh, were wow. about 10,000 remote legal project management jobs. And so just having the skill set, it, it really does make you more marketable. And I think it's just something that's going to continue to grow. You know, the legal field, we tend to be maybe not the first <laughs> to do things. Right. And so project management is something that's been going on for many, many decades. Agile has been happening for 20 years, and we're just really starting to adopt it now. And so I really feel like now is the time to kind of get those skills and make sure that you're leveraging leveraging them because you're going to be one of a relatively few people at this point that have that skill set. Right. And like you said, probably like maybe setting yourself apart if this Mm -hmm. is a time where you're talking about like maybe you're working your firm and you know a little bit about project management, you could maybe go out and, you know, like you said, get this certification and different kind of, you know, be like more of a specialty. And then when you're marketing yourself, to like a new firm that you're trying to switch up, you know, that's going to be kind of like something now that you have on top of just your regular experience. Absolutely. And so why don't you, in case our listeners want to like go out and do that, why don't you tell them a little bit about that scrum certification and like where to go and things like that. And maybe like time commitment wise, maybe just throw a little bit of that around because, you know, paralegals, we're probably already doing 25 things. Yes, 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 for sure. Um, So I think the two organizations, there's a lot of of scrum certifications out there, but the two organizations that have been longstanding are the Scrum Alliance. That's where I obtained my certified scrum master and the scrum.org, which is where you can get a professional scrum master credential. And for the certified scrum master, it actually isn't that difficult. You really, you have to take a class. I think it's 16 hour class. Um, and then there is an exam to pass, but it's not a high barrier to entry to get a certified scrum master. Now, I do think it's easier to understand the class if you've already run some project or if you, you know, like you, if you've done a little bit of Googling and you're kind of reading about the framework and you kind of know the basics, I think it makes the class a little bit easier, but it's not as difficult to get into as say, probably many um, paralegal certifications, it's not as difficult to obtain. Also, I think that the benefits, like there is a cost associated with it, but you can find a lot of different providers. So Scrum Alliance doesn't do their own training for their uh, certification. Instead, they kind of approve people to do the training. And so there's a lot of different trainers out there. I I received my um, training through Think Louder, for example. Okay. And so that kind of gives you some leeway when you're going to actually think about doing it. You have a few choices out there. Is that what, that's what you're saying? Yes. And also, you know, before COVID, you had to do these in person. They wanted it very hands-on because Agile is face-to-face, right? Mm, So now you even have more of a benefit because with COVID, they are actually running these classes virtually. They're still um, in real time, of course, but you're taking a virtual class and then you can sit for the exam. Well, and like you said, you got to take the positives from right, <laughs> some right. of these situations. And no, that's 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 definitely one thing because and let me, I was going to ask you, is it kind of like an is the actual the 16 hours or whatever? Is it actually like set out to a schedule or is it more of on demand type thing? I think different instructors do different things. So you might find some classes where it's four hours a day. You might find Mm, some instructors that are running eight hours a day. There's, you know, it really just depends on the instructor and how they want to set it up. But you can find something pretty easily that's going to work for your schedule. 
Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Alicia, thank you so very much for being my guest today on today's show. And I mean, taking your time to discuss the ins and the outs of the project management, the scrum master that <laughs> just sounds like mm-hmm. we talk, we laugh about so super cool, but really has a lot of really good, you know, things that you can take from it. I think even if you're not going to do it, I think me just learning about the different ways and the breakdown and the cycle and, you know, just how they do things and the organization and the flexibility. I think all that is very practical to apply, you know, just kind of gets you thinking and gets you thinking outside the box of different ways for you to do, you know, our everyday things. So very useful information. So if our listeners, you know, I'm sure that they have questions or they want to reach out to you to ask you a little bit more, what's the easiest way for them to contact you? Well, they can contact me. I'm Alicia Mercer on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way for them to contact me and they can just send me a message. Okay. Well, Alicia, thank you so much again for joining me. It's a pleasure to talk with you. This is awesome information. And I know that, you know, if anybody has any questions, I know you'll be real receptive uh, to them helping them out. So thank you so much again. Well, thank you, Jill. You've been awesome. I always enjoy talking to you. I appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners who tuned in with me today. And if you have any questions or comments for me, please contact me at jfrancisco at logical.com. Hope you will join me for the next episode of The Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco, signing off.